Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on WMR.FM. Happy St. Patrick's Day. It's the 17th of March, 2022. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Weights and Biases. Yeah. Well done. Oh, my yeah. God, I got that sounds like three weeks in a row. <laughs> um, awesome. And uh, so I'm batting a thousand on, you know what? 17 years ago to even 10 years ago, I wouldn't have got that name right. Not a, not a chance. <laughs> so improvement is possible. Um, we are into the uh, now beginning of the fourth week of the uh, illegal invasion of uh, Ukraine by Russia. Um, again, I'm able to assure our, our, our listening audience that everybody we've had on the show and uh, subsequent interviews that we're going to be having on the show in the future, um, everybody is still alive and well and, um, you know, doing their best to, to, to keep it together. Um, uh, Olga has gotten out of the country. She is still adding to her um, employment sheet, um, which can be found pretty much anywhere on the web right now. Um, uh, uh, that's being passed around social media uh, uh, profiles, and I really hope that you yeah, that if, if if you find it, you pass it on your social media profiles. Mm -hmm. um, Anton, who we had on uh, the first week, um, is doing an interesting project where. People are donating coffee money to him through a, a Buy Me Coffee app that was invented to uh, really to, to tip developers um, years and years and years ago. And so Anton's taking the money, and he's raised about 8000 U.S. so far, and donating it to um, animal shelters. Imagine people having to, li to leave Kiev or, uh, or, or, or other Ukrainian cities. They, they have to flee, but they often leave their animals behind. Yeah. There is a group of volunteers dedicated to to saving those animals and um, uh, uh, giving them shelter. So, so that's where Anton is donating any of those monies that are coming in. Um, Igor is uh, on the front lines and literally directing uh, people, materials, volunteers. Um, and he is also hosting a webinar, which will be in... Uh, uh, Ukrainian, and uh, so we won't be able to attend, but hosting a webinar in a couple days on um, internet products. So, you know, life goes on. Uh, it's stunning. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, you watch the resilience of some of these people, and I'm like, wow, like, I don't, I don't, like, I, realistically, I have no idea how I would fare in that. We can all imagine how we would do. Right. Like I would, of course, be great. And I would go and do this. Um, but they're actually like just you can see them in that and, and, and doing what I hope I would do. Um, but uh, but they're actually doing it and, and credit to them and for holding it together and, 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 and thinking ahead too, and sort of going, OK, but we need to keep keep things together, um, you know, and, and, and continue to grow. Like we need to bounce back from this, like to, to have that, I guess. What I what I appreciate about that is the optimism that shows, yeah. Um, in in how this goes, and uh, yeah, I, I hope it is. 
I hope it plays out um, exactly. I mean, obviously I do um, as, as to reward that optimism. It's playing out in the most unexpected uh, resilience and resistance. Uh, they're still standing uh, 21 days, 28 days later, they're still standing. And um, I'll tell you this, when, when this is all over, the uh, marketers, the search engine marketers from Ukraine are going to rule this industry. <laughs> they um, like, like, first off, no one's going to say no to them ever, ever again. And uh, secondly, the, just the, the, the courage and the determination, if they can carry that into their professional lives in the future. Um, and all of us out here, we, 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 we owe it to them to help them do it as they've kind of been the bulk work of democracy. Um, yeah the last month. Um, I'm telling you, they're literally going to rule the industry. The other, the other, the other amazing outcome is, of course, I hope you like um, iron in your wheat in the future because the uh, Ukrainian wheat harvest next year is going to be full of um, scrap metal. <laughs> the farmers are going to make out good for it. Apparently, they don't have to pay taxes on it either. Uh, oh, some of the fun videos that came out is what I assume. Like I know you're referring to. And, I mean, them. <laughs> and this is horrible because like they're not funny at all. But you can, I, I admit to a great deal of satisfaction when I when I when I when I when I, when I see them. But they're not funny at all. Um, yeah. Eh? How? <laughs> yeah. War sucks. It fucks us all. It messes us all up. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. I and was yet. Gonna, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no no go please go please. No, I was I just was going gonna... to say, and yet the search world has to continue on. I mean, heck, they're talking, you know, as you, as you were mentioning, um, they're talking about it there and, and holding webinars to, to like try and push <laughs> things forward. If they can, I guess we have to as well. And I know a lot of our, our listeners are, are probably here to go, how many tabs do Jim and Dave have open? And what are they going to talk about today? And, and what happened um, over the last week? I mean, you and I share ahead of time, like a bunch of stuff. We've got like a, a flurry Tons. of different topics. Where do you want to start? Well, first off, a, bit, a little bit of housekeeping. Next week, we have a guest, mm -hmm. Ted Harrington, a security expert coming on. So we're going to be talking, um, you know, site and web security. Um, that should be a fun conversation. I was going to introduce this as the Ides of March edition because mm -hmm. um, Google made a pretty staggering announcement yesterday. We knew it was coming. Um, but I think a lot of people are completely, completely unprepared for the um, death of universal analytics and the rise of, well, something that, I mean, this is going to happen in like a year from now. So they got plenty of time. 18 months from now, um, universal analytics is over. Uh, G4 is um, event-based analytics is the path of the future. And um, Google's made it official. As of um, very soon, um, you as of July 2023, um, Universal Analytics will not be recording hits any longer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I found this interesting, uh, interesting timing. Like it just, I mean, I guess it sort of caught me off guard. But personally, I found it interesting because the next two weeks of my life were already geared towards fine-tuning my skills um, in, in generating some new reports and, and stuff like that. So it just, I found that, that timing funny. Um, something for our listeners to keep in mind, and I, I'm stressing this to really anybody who will listen. <laughs> I've had this conversation many times. Um, but is if you like 
comparing year over year metrics and who doesn't, mm-hmm. you don't have 18 months, really. You just don't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, that's something to keep in mind is if next August, you think I want to be able to compare year over year, August to August. Yeah. That means you need to have this stuff together uh, before we cross that. So realistically, people only have a few months to make sure. And, and by that, it's not just installing the GA4 tags or, or like, you know, importing or, or whatever. Um, it, it's actually getting things set up to track properly yep. um, and, and track all the events you're going to want to. Um, and I, I would suggest, you know, I've ranted about GA4. And, and here's what I hate about GA4 is the reporting sucks. Like out of the box, it just, it just sucks. Out of the um, box, it sucks. Out of the box, it sucks. But it's incredibly powerful. Um, like incredibly powerful. So it'll be something to for, for listeners to learn a little bit about. You don't need to become an expert. There, there are experts in it. You can hire them or just figure out what you need it to do. But explore what you can do and figure out what do I want to track? Because there's stuff in there you couldn't do before. That's why this is happening, right? So, um, you know, there are events automatically set up. You can import a lot of stuff. There, there's stuff that it's just a lot easier to do in there. So think about it, get it set up, spend the next few months doing that so that next year, when you're trying to compare your year over year metrics, it's going to be available to you. And you're not going to be trying to compare one year in GA4 and another year in Universal Analytics, which you're not being do. able to. <laughs> exactly. They're completely different things. So don't try to do that. Now, uh, we've been uh, for the GA4 has been around for what, like a year now, but just a bit longer than that. It's hard to, I mean, with the, with, the, with the pandemic, it's hard to remember, like, yeah, one year, two year, three three fish, five fish. It's, it's really hard to keep to keep it straight. But, like, we've been encouraging uh, listeners to screw around with it and play with uh, with with uh, uh, GA4. Um, and like Dave said, out of the box, it bites. It's like it's a bad experience. There's no two ways around it. But you can mess with it. You can mess with it a lot. Um, you can, okay, how to say this? Um Old Universal Analytics was all based on cookies, on um, tracking events by IP and by you know by by by, by individual users. Um, GA four is not like that. GA four is about stuff that happens on the page, events, stuff users do, um, and you are actually able to track individual users, sorta, just not the way right. you were able to in um, Universal Analytics. Um, but you'll, you'll you'll still be able to different this. You'll still be able to differentiate users. You just won't know exactly as precisely who they are as you could literally do in uh, Universal Analytics. Yeah, yeah, and it's. I mean, it is interesting. You're right. It's been. I, I, it's, it's funny. While we were chatting, I, I was trying to look it up. I was using with with um, one client. Um, they had app plus web before GA4 that then became GA4 that then moved. So uh, if you were lucky enough to get on that bandwagon, awesome. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You, you'd have like a, a couple um, years of data if you, if you jumped in there, like right out of the gate, um, you know, and, and hopefully, hopefully many of our listeners did, but if you didn't, it's okay. Um, Cause one of the things that will be a perk is, and it'll just require more work is both of these will still be usable uh, for the foreseeable future anyway, in data studio. So what I'm anticipating I'm going to hit um, is scenarios where I have a dashboard looking at my different metrics in universal analytics and sort of side by side, comparing that 
to GA. So two or like next year when I'm in August going, okay, what's August over August and GA four. Okay. Now let's look at like that year, like the last year, sort of, sort of the previous, the, the comparison year in universal analytics. And then what was that like the year before that? If I'm trying to compare like two, three year time frames, right? So I can sort of go, okay, in, in 2021, August, how wrong <laughs> was GA or was GA4? Or I guess not wrong, but how different was GA4 versus just the universal analytics? Okay, now when I'm trying to compare two years back with GA4, I can sort of understand my, my augmentation because we're not going to be able to compare 2023 data in GA4 with 2021, 2020, 2019 data if you want to start looking at trends. So it's going to be a bit messy for people, um, myself included. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, it, it just is the way. And I, I, we all knew it had to happen. Like they had to, I hoped it wouldn't. I hope they just go, you know what? We've decided to just change it all again. Um, but they, but they did. So, well, I would anticipate changes to the GA4 suite. Um, one, I think uh, Google has to make it easier for um, users to set events. Um, as it is now, yeah. it's not a difficult process, but there is a learning curve. And uh, I think of Ma and Pa retailer um, striving away on, on, on their, on their the, 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 the typical client Google says they actually want to serve. Mm -hmm. um, and Google's Google shouldn't be in the process of making it harder for those people to do business. Um, so I, I anticipate changes to, uh, to GA4, but as it says, I just want, just want to clear something up. Um, Universal Analytics is not going to be available. Um, refresh, refreshing Universal Analytics isn't going to be available past September 2023 in Data Studio. That's correct, right? Correct. Like that's dead, dead, dead. Dead, dead, dead. Okay. Um, so one thing I'm really hoping, it's my like fingers crossed, if somebody from Google is listening, you could you could solve a lot of Dave's problems and, and, and headaches and complaints with this, and I'm sure a lot of other people is, if they just enabled some capacity for report template sharing, right? Like if somebody could go, oh, I basically duplicated everything you're used to from universal analytics and, and here it is. And now just go into your GA4 and you can import this reporting template, right? Where, where all of a sudden everything would appear. I'd really like to see them add that. And I think that would fix a lot of, of the complaints. And then you could have like a, a template sort of repository where people could search through and import templates. They have it for data studio. I would love to see them add it for uh, GA4. As uh, just to be clear on the timeline, Google's Google's outlined that until July twenty first, twenty twenty three, um, new data at uh, Universal Analytics will be collected and available to people. After July first, twenty twenty three, you'll still be able to access previous previously processed data at Universal Analytics, and they'll keep it open, like they say, for six months or so. But it won't be accruing new data. And um, over time, they're going to uh, let us know what um, what they're going to do with that data. <laughs> um, so, again, I think that, that indicates Google itself doesn't know what it wants. Because I'm just thinking of another thing, Dave. Google's <laughs> sitting on this, like, gold mine, this massive amount of user data. Um, since they're not going to use it in the direct, directly in the algorithm, what are they going to do with it? Yeah. You know, they're not going to throw it out. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay, last bit on this. What are you going to do about this? Like, okay, you've already said you're moving to G four, and um, yeah. you're you're getting more comfortable with it. Um, yep. Um, Alita Solis did a, a Twitter poll. Um, it's still running. 
She's had mm-hmm. 921 respondents so far. And she's basically asking people, what do you plan to do? And in reaction to it, 45.6% are with you, moved G4. 228 are where I'm sitting. Use G4 along with a bunch of other tools because mm-hmm. I've been you know, moving my clients towards measuring in other tools to, 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 to knowing that this was coming eventually. Um, 31.6% said ditch G4 altogether and use something else. I mean, where's click tracks when you need them, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's a throwback. Uh, I, I miss those guys because they were so cool. Uh, John and Dan, wonderful, wonderful people. Um, uh, Michael, um, Sylvie, I, I, I'm trying to remember that whole team. They were great people. Um, but yeah, what, what other tools are out there that, that are easily accessible? And um, that four-letter um, F word of accessibility free? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some cheap ones, but most of the ones I'm thinking of are log file analyzers. They're not really analytics in, in the typical the typical case. But to I think to the point, like the problem with polls like Elatus, and, and I mean it's great, like it's it's good to get the. I'm not it's not a, a dig at, at polls like that, but when she's asking that, there's a certain caliber of information that people have when they're answering. Like the people who are answering Elatus polls on Twitter are SEOs who know the tools, who, who know that there are other tools, who could talk, even mention a log file analyzer and know what a log file is, right? Like, um, so I think uh, to your point earlier, the big problem is the mom and pops, the people at Google saying they're they're working with. Yeah, like I use log files will be my backup, like just for, for my answer to the question will be, yeah, I'll keep using GA4, I'll use log file analyzers. I always have, I always will. I think they're great because they give you some additional insights. But at the end of the day, I need to be able to communicate with my clients and, and peers and, and people around me on, on sort of like the, the common, I don't know, um, in Dungeons and Dragons for the other nerds in the crowd, uh, it would be like the language common, right? Like it's like the one that we all kind of know. Right? We all know Google Analytics and then we all have our like additional things that are flying around out there. Um, so, and, and Nava, if you're listening that, you know, you'll appreciate that comment. Probably the only other person in the crowd. Um, anyway, so it, it's, it's I, I think that's something we all have to consider is people are going to be coming to us. Like we can like other things, but people are going to come to us with analytics and and those business owners need analytics they, they need this this thing they know and they don't want to learn a new thing so whether we like it or not we can talk about different things if we want and if you're an in-house working for an enterprise you can probably maybe push a, a little bit more to get your way maybe um but for the most part i think we're all going to go i wanted to do a different thing it's ga4 <laughs> because that's what's coming at me and 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 so there you are a uh, quick advice for, for people in the industry looking to specialize, um, and, and this is an industry where if you learn to specialize, you, you learn to basically print your own money. Um, analytics is going to be huge, um, <laughs> guarantee it, at least around July 2023, there's going to be so much work for analytics experts. If you want to call yourself one, it's probably good to start now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, something and I'll bring up along that tangent is GA4 does a lot more. So this isn't just like a, and, and if you were on board with installing secure certificates, you had this like flurry of like a year to a year and a half of, of profitability. I think you're hit the nail on the head. If you specialize in this, um, you you could be 
it, it'll be a long term um, thing that you'll now be ahead of the curve on um, and able to, to really profit from. Uh, for, for listeners who don't, if you go to simoahava.com, anyway, I'm just going to like, I know I've talked about them on the show before, but anyway, just dude knows everything about analytics at <laughs> data studio. So just, just head over there. Um, and, and, and if, if ever you're Googling anything, that's a good place to start. Uh, you could actually start on Google. You're probably going to end up on his site anyway. <laughs> so, um, anyway, just giving people a good resource when you're trying to, to cut your teeth at this one. Um, that's a good place to start. Okay. Oh, another Twitter poll. The, 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 mm-hmm. Segway is by this one by, by Natalie Mott. Um, ask SEOs about loss of traffic after site migrations. Um, I think it's worth bringing up, given this has been the season of migrations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've had a massive uptick in my business around migrations as you know, um, more businesses become e commerce savvy, and the more importantly, as stronger platforms to serve e commerce savvy businesses come online mm-hmm. um weird response though mm-hmm. <laughs> 21 point this is the 78.3 percent of respondents um she had uh 1346 people respond by the way so that's, that's pretty representative yeah yeah um 78.3 percent expect some loss of traffic I, i'm with that group it's, it's going to happen, I think. Mm-hmm. 21.7% do not expect a loss of traffic. That one weirded me out. Like, 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 um, that's like a fifth of people in the industry say, I want to know how that's happening for them. Yeah, I, what I, I think, and I had to really think about that because I'm like, who are these 20%? And have they just never done a site migration before? Um, because it is going to happen. Like, it, it just has, it, has it, to. It has to. Google will lose track of some pages. Like if nothing else, it won't. But I, I, I have. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at clevertap.com. That's clevertap.com. Miami is more than beaches, palm trees, and fun in the sun. It's home every year to the Miami Book Fair, celebrating its 39th year of hosting authors and readers from around the world, November 13th through the 20th. Join us in downtown Miami at the Wolfson campus of Miami-Dade College. Connect with over 500 authors reading from their books in English, Spanish, French, and Creole, answering questions and signing hard copies. The 2022 edition of the Miami Book Fair welcomes everyone of all ages to come together, meet, and make new friends, exchange ideas, and discover one's next favorite author. 
Let's Explore, Discover, and Learn Together. Featured authors will include award-winning novelists, Anthony Horowitz, Ben Mesrich, Craig Johnson, Danny Shapiro, Elena Shapiro, Jimmy Attenberg, poet Sandra Cisneros, and authors writing about the trending topics of the day, Lisa Genova, Jerry Stahl, Marie Brenner, Mark Kurlansky, Samantha Cole, Stacey Schiff, Katie Tour, and many others. For more information, please visit MiamiBookFair.com. Follow the fair at Miami Book Fair and join the conversation hashtag Miami Book Fair 2022. I have to wonder, are they thinking, and it would be reasonable to do this, thinking in long term, like three months from now, I'll be ahead of where I started. Like that may be the question they're answering, not one week out. I might have lost some stuff, but they might be taking that longer term approach. Like when they're reading, will I lose? Will I automatically assume I'll lose some traffic? Because the question wasn't, will I lose it short term? It was, will I lose it? Well, no, you wouldn't do a site migration if you actually thought you were going to lose traffic <laughs> in the big picture. Um, no, and if, so, if you do it right, you should gain traffic in the long run. Exactly. So I do wonder how much of that 21.7% is just people going, no, I'm going to do it right. And we're going to come out ahead of this. Just that during this time where URLs might change, yeah, we'll take a couple week hit, but we're going to come out of this ahead. Um, you know, I know I'm, I'm dealing with some some URL changes and structural changes. It's not a migration to a new technology, but I'm going to be dealing with that next week. Everybody knows they could read it like clockwork because I've repeated it a thousand times in prep. We're going to potentially lose traffic. I can't tell you exactly how much for a couple of weeks, um, you know, but we'll, we'll be back. And in the end, we will be stronger than we are exactly what we're talking about. And I wonder if I was answering that question, I'd be in the 21.7. Well, then 21.8, um, you know, percent. So I think it. It is odd. My instinct was to answer it in the short term, but I, I had to really think about it and go, oh, okay, I guess I get who they might be. If it had only been like 5%, I'd go, they've just never done this before. But to be that many, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, okay. They're, they're answering a different question than I'm answering. Uh, but uh, that's just my thought on it. Okay, well, I, mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, sure. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I was say, I was legitimately <laughs> surprised to see that 21.7%, that but uh, that does make sense. And if you do do the, the reason they expect that they will gain traffic as, as I think you should after, over time is when you do a migration, you're basically redoing all the basics again. And if you yeah. redo the basics properly, get it right the first time, um, you should see greater trickles of traffic uh, than you were seeing before the migration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. This one is up your alley or um, it was up, uh, Beanstalk's Alley, most certainly. Um, free hotel free hotel listings that Google was offering. Um, <laughs> now they're bleeding into um, mainstream search and into Google Maps. It's, mm -hmm. Google isn't just messing on the margins anymore. Google is um, giving their free hotel and travel listings um, straight, straight, you know, uh, into the consumer's face. Um, is this uh, the death knell for um, some businesses formed around hotel and uh, 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 travel bookings? Yes. Um, yes, it is. Um, what I've seen over the last few weeks, because I still do a lot of monitoring um, of things, um, is we, we've seen a, 
basically hotel ads replacing map packs um, for, for certain query types um, related specifically to rentals um, and, and things like that, like vacation rentals and stuff. So not only are we seeing them integrate sort of these, these free in, but we're seeing them replacing map packs um, with these hotel ads. Now that might sound great. It's like, oh, okay, well we can have like free in, in there and like get in, get into the like hotel ads and, and, and that'll all be great. However, um, hotel ads have a high technical barrier to entry. Well, they have one of a few things, either a high technical barrier to entry, meaning you need strong tech like on, on your team. Um, and you need to have minimums. I believe it's 10,000. They might've dropped it to 5,000. I'd have to look up the, the spec, but, um, a specific like number of units that you're managing. So most businesses don't have that, right? Like a, a small, like if you're just like a, a local, I don't know, I'm in Victoria, right? Like if I ran a vacation rental company in Victoria, just for Victoria competing against Airbnb from a local standpoint, I probably have, if I'm lucky, a few hundred, right? Like, so I'm not getting into that. I might not still want to go through like Airbnb and stuff that have the like clout to get in there and, and they're doing those listings. And then you have to use a third party if you want to manage to get your listings in there, which is going to increase my cost per click against these other bigger players. So now I can't go up against Hilton, right? Or whoever for accommodation related queries, because I have to pay what they're paying. Then I have to pay this third party fee. So it, to me, I really, really hate this. Um, and I, I, I hope they fix it, but anything that hurts small businesses and favors large, like the fact that the Hilton gets to pay less than this like smaller company, local company that might have only a few hundred listings um, that can't even get in. And, and then on top of that would, would have to deal with some issues. I hope they fix it, but for right now, it, it, I view it as, as a real disadvantage for small business, but we did see not as bad, but kind of the same sorts of things happening with shopping, and then they made it easy. So I'm hoping we see something like that evolve, where they they get get it together. There are still some problems with shopping. It does have a higher barrier to entry. A lot of the the third parties, though, like Shopify and stuff, made it made it really really easy. Um, we I am seeing a bit of that going on in the um, travel sector, like with specific uh, players who who sort of aggregate all of the different companies they work with and go, well, we crossed our 10,000 limit because we actually have built 500 sites in the travel sector. And so they can, they can collect together, but it's still going to cost those businesses a little bit more because they need a third party processor, but, or a third party distributor. But anyway, for for a big house like Expedia, um, Mm -hmm. that their whole, um, whole business class hotel listings, for instance, those no longer, no longer viable, say. Exactly. But if I worked for, like, if I worked for these, if I worked for Airbnb, I'd just be like, this is awesome. <laughs> this is the best thing. It's a way to differentiate myself. Those little buggers kept getting into map packs and now they're gone. Right? Like, it'd be <laughs> great. Um, like, if, if I was them. So, like, we don't have people on the ground, right? Like, we don't have an office in Victoria. So, we can't rank in Victoria. Now we get Victoria. Right. So just listing my own my own city. So, um, you know, it, it, which is exactly part of my problem. Right. Like that's what's favoring these these larger companies. If I worked for Airbnb, I'd be like, this is awesome. And I, you'd, I'd be having a very different tone in this conversation. <laughs> I'd be going like, this is great. Uh, 
you know, and, and, and it, I think the listings themselves are better. Like Victoria vacation rental. I think actually it should be hotel ads. Um, and even going through the third party, I, I should note from, from my experience in, um, shopping ads. And, and I assume that oddly that's, that's going to translate across decently here. Um, I suspect if you can go through those third parties, if you're already doing paid search as that, that littler company, I think going through the third parties results may vary, but will be cheaper on a cost per acquisition. Still that the, the ads themselves look better. Like the, they, they're, they're right in there. One of the things that I think will be favorable is if you were looking in like, you know, the, the neighborhood I live in, right? Like Fairfield. And if I started to like go down and go, oh, okay, I want to like, I'm just looking for vacation rentals in Fairfield. Um, you know, during these time frames, the only ads of mine that would show up is if I have availability for that during that time frame, rather than typical ads, it'll just be like, it's in Victoria. Let's go there. Right. Like where I, I now will get less false clicks is what I'm getting at. Right. Like it's letting the user refine and make sure I have inventory to match what they want before I'm paying for it. So I think there will be some big advantages, maybe even going through third party. I just don't like that bigger players will get to pay less than smaller players will um, for, for basically the same advantages. And then, it is something Google needs to fix. Indeed, although they, you know, again, um, for the uh, opportunistic, entrepreneurial-minded out there, I think Dave has just outlined a, um, a, a if not um, the, 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 a full one, at least the genesis of a good business plan. <laughs> so go get them, guys. <laughs> At with every Google tool, with every new uh, thing Google Google introduces, there's always things webmasters can do as workarounds, mm-hmm. and uh, it looks it, it, it occurs to me that that in the hotel space or in the uh, in the vacation rental space, there's going to be a lot of people looking to to bulk up as a means of workaround. Yeah. What else do we have? Um, Google seems to be trying to get its uh, understand. Well, okay, Google introduced uh, Core Web Vitals, um, what, 18 months ago or so? I- I'm mm-hmm. at that point in life where so everything right. that happened was about yeah. a year and a half ago. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Could have been five years. Could have been a year and a half. I don't know. Okay, so about 18 months ago, we figure, Google introduces uh, Core Web Vitals. Um, and for... Until very recently, actually, I-, I would have said that Google introduced a measure they weren't quite sure what to do with. And it looks like they themselves are un- are understanding um, the data they're getting back from Core Web Vitals better, or at least trying to. Uh, John Mueller had a uh, office a uh, office hours um, where he talked through how Google is now looking at different facets of your website and segmenting your website um these are your product pages these are your about and explanatory pages um these are your template pages um and they will all produce slightly different uh core web vital stats the users will experience them differently they might load very slowly or very quickly for different reasons and so google's trying to segment out ones that shouldn't um overly affect their view perception of a website given the uh, CWV core web vital scores. Um, don't know where that's going exactly, but that that process is happening is pretty cool. How, how did you it read is. that? 
I, I, I read it pretty much exactly as you did. And to me, it makes, it makes perfect sense. Um, if I think of wait, the weights and biases website, right? Like we have a, a, a front end sort of like a, you know, the, if, if you land it, I'm not giving away anything confidential. Anybody can just quickly look at the code yeah, and yeah. see this. Um, our, our docs, for example, are, are, are built different in a different technology than the forum is, right? Like it's just like this, it's, 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 it's forum technology for forums. It's docs technology for docs. Um, the, the actual, you know, main sort of blogging area is sort of custom built. Right? And yet Google there, gives you one score for all of them. For all of it. Exactly. So I, I, I completely get why um, that they're talking about the ability to sort of like split it into, into sections, um, you know, as, as best they can. And it's coming on the heels of also breaking out like the desktop version versus the mobile version. And that's mm -hmm. they finished rolling out. Right? They're, they're clearly trying to do a better job. And I think what they did initially we've all probably done this, has gone, most sites are like this, right? Most sites are just WordPress websites. So they're all going to kind of be the same, right? Like every page on that site is probably going to be kind of the same. Yes, you got a big, splashy, malformed hero image on the home page or something, really. <laughs> that's like 8,000 pixels wide just to show up on mobile, right? Or like just weird, like little anomalies. But for the most part, all the pages, like it, it would work okay to do it that way. But I think once they're hitting larger and larger sites, heck, even most of Wikipedia would be fine by that rule because it's all kind of built the same. But if you look at one of my favorite sites that I keep referencing, I mean, it's not my favorite site, but Yahoo, um, right? Like you, you it, when you look at their finance section, it's different. It's built different. Um, it, it, and that's probably why I like it. But like each section of the site on, on a site like that is going to be different. Google themselves, their Google Docs is built completely different than Google's homepage itself. So it, it, it makes sense that they, they would be hitting the spot and going, okay, we, it's at least something we need to look at um, and, and start to judge sites by, by subsections. And I think, I, I suspect um, that the in a lot of cases, they're also going to be finding that certain sections of sites have a larger sort of split between desktop and mobile, or different, I shouldn't say larger, but different splits between desktop and mobile. Like blogs and things that have reading tend to be stronger on mobile. Like in, in B2B, they tend to have more mobile than mm -hmm. desktop. As far as the breakdown, it might still be 13%. <laughs> but, you know, when you look at their like functional B2B site, um, part of the site, the, the, the sort of marketing angle of things, you know, it's probably like six or, or five. Right? Yeah, when like users when you're doing when something you're... serious, like buying something, they're doing yeah. it on desktop you're, in the B2B You want world. that. Exactly. When I'm just sitting going, oh, I'm going to read SEO news. Yeah. You know, I'll just be like sitting on my mobile, probably on SE Roundtable reading something Barry wrote. But when it's like, okay, time to work and I need to log into SEMrush, I'm on my desktop. Well, uh, well, and also because your desktop can handle the heft of all that. You know, you you, you need this. Uh, uh, right. uh, uh, Thirty-two versus sixteen on the desktop gives you over the what sixteen megs your phone gives you. Um, Indeed, and that's a great illustration of why we need this different mobile and desktop scoring. Because my intent, my my function on desktop is actually different. I'm on it because I know I'm about to hog bandwidth, and I need big screen size, right? So so the experience. I'm willing to tolerate a much larger package being sent to my browser than I would on mobile. 
We've often said, it's almost, almost been like a motto of the show, Google is planning five years in advance and, you know, carrying things out with a long-term plan in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been, has to have been five years, could have been 18 months, I'm not positive, but really. it had to be about five years since uh, Google declared everything's about mobile. Um, and I think that was a massive assumption Google made that um, the mobile devices would become stronger, 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 and eventually uh, entirely replace the, des- the desktop. Um, maybe the mobile would be powerful enough to emulate a desktop uh, with, with large monitors. But it didn't happen that way. Um, and now we have websites that are becoming um, infinitely uh, bigger, stronger, and heftier. There's some sites I will not approach on my mobile device. And I've, I, I got that. I was a BlackBerry aficionado, so as everybody knows, <laughs> I got a brand new phone this year. And there are still websites I will not approach on it. Um, but I will on my desktop, not a problem, because I know it can handle it. I'm not running reports on my phone. <laughs> it doesn't, that doesn't, I can't afford that, for goodness sake. Yeah, and, um, and that makes, makes perfect sense. And just for, for, for your sake, I looked it up while we were chatting. Uh, the announcement came from Google on mobile first on November 4th of 2016. Oh, about 18 months ago. Excellent. Yep. Oh, no, 2016. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, same difference. You know how it goes. Yeah, about well, maybe you years don't. ago. <laughs> you don't know yet, but you will. Once you get past 50, it's all the same thing, really. <laughs> it's weird. Oh, um, Blur's Day. Oh, um, Blur's Day. <laughs> so what else do we got going? Um, there was that cool thing that you that you put the um, stuff that Microsoft is doing um, in uh, a Microsoft using uh, uh, artificial intelligence to help young blind persons understand what's going on around them immediately. Yeah, this was so cool. Um, You know, it it doesn't have a lot to do with search, but it is just a a wonderful, wonderful advancement by by our friends at, at Microsoft. Um, and they're, they've introduced something called people lenses. And it's something I never thought of um, as a problem. But what they, the, pro, the, the, the issue they were starting to think about was how we all interact with the world during our most formative years, right? Like when we're, like, and by we all, I mean, basically because this, this the, the technology that they're building is for people with, uh, who are either blind or with very poor vision. So anybody not falling into that camp is, is what I'm referring to there. Mm-hmm. When we're thinking of our development and, and when psychologists and teachers and, and, and the global environment is thinking about our development, a lot of what we're picking up and, and, and a lot of that testing and, and a lot of the study went in around how we interact with the world around us in a, in a sort of multimodal um, you know, sort of way. Like, do I look at speakers? Do I, how, how do I make eye contact? How is my like, you know, hand-eye coordination, right? Like all of these things that are part of core development that all of a sudden weren't there for a segment of, of the population. Now that, that's sort of where the this genesis seemed to be if, if I was reading it correctly. So what they built with this really fascinating device that the uh, sort of blind child wears, and it just creates a, a slight auditory sound when they make connection with a speaker. Like it, it's sitting there with, with, you know, sort of machine learning algorithms running in the background, paying attention to who's around, are they facing the speaker, this and that. And it actually has an outward 
um, signal for the people in the room to let them know whether this child is looking at them. And when they when it does connect, that speaker knows, the child knows that they're there. They know about how far out they are, I gather, based on, on sort of the pitch or, or, or volume levels. Um, and that allows this child to all of a sudden, in a way we would view as natural, engage. I'm now looking. That is the person who can now speak. They know that I'm paying attention to them um, in, in a way that we just didn't have before. So we take for granted, like you or I, um, just this ability to understand who's going to talk and that they know who would be talking to them, whereas a blind person would have no concept of what's going on around. I'd never thought of that problem. And it, it just enables that so that this, this child can now understand who's in the room, how many people are in the room. I mean, not in the same way you or I would, because they can't see a multitude at times, but mm -hmm. as they turn their head and then allow an individual to know that child is acknowledging that they are going to be the next speaker. Like that, it gives that child a control over now I can go, this is the person who's talking. If there's three people in a room, I could acknowledge this is the person I'm right now about to pay attention to. I think it's just a fascinating, fascinating area. Um, and, and one of the biggest enhancements I've seen in, in a long time as far as like helping people who would be less able-bodied um, in, in this context to, to sort of see the world around them bad pun and unintentional that sort of understand the world around them in a, in a, in a very, very different way. And it's mostly that control the child would then have to control who is, who's going to be speaking at them um, in a way and letting the outside world understand that that child, even though they can't see is able to now acknowledge who should be speaking next. And, and so uh, that, that respect will, will then be there. I, I, I just love this. As a as partner and caregiver to a to a physically disabled person, any anything that that uh, makes mm -hmm. life easier for persons um, dealing with some sort of physical health or uh, uh, mental mental health uh, issue is uh, is wonderful. But the thing that really fascinates me and and, and really excites me here is the data. That this is this is an artificial intelligence machine learning experiment. So they're collecting data and they're running scenarios over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And they're going to immediately help innumerable children um, in a, in a in, in in developing communication skills in ways that 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 wouldn't have been available to such blind persons at that age um, in the past. But think about what can happen with all that human reaction data. Um, mm -hmm. We can help people communicate in ways that right now we can't even dream possible, but this data will lead to understandings that will make those, those, those dreams possible. That fascinates me. That's, that's phenomenal. And it has to have something to do with search. It honestly does. I just don't know what yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sort of with you. And it's interesting because you got me thinking and I'm like, I wonder if the research is going on yet as you look at and it's not all because it's a big wide spectrum. But you look at some versions of autism and just a difficulty in recognizing expression, yeah. right? And, and, and what they mean and stuff. And wouldn't that be nice? Because uh, you were talking about and it's sort of mapping the world and taking in, in this information to create a similar device for for people with that version of autism to just create an auditory like they're happy they're set like this is the the expression that they're presenting back so this is the likely feeling that they're having um in in response to what you're saying um, sure. you know that i think there's a lot of wonderful applications 
So uh, kudos to Microsoft. And if people out there are wondering why, you know, um, you know, you, you think of AI or machine learning, you think of Skynet and all the terrifying <laughs> boogeyman stuff. Uh, that's fiction. This is science fiction becoming reality. Yeah. Like, you know, don't worry about the fiction stuff. That's just horror stories. Think of the inspiring, wonderful science fiction, Isaac Asimov stuff. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Um, this, is, this, is, this, this is human evolution. Um, in uh, human evolution, times more is law times 10. Mm-hmm. Okay, back to more about date stuff. Um, does Google treat internal links in a header or footer differently than they would treat in a link in the body text of a page? Uh, John Mueller was asked, and so John Mueller answered. And the answer might be different than, 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 you, than you think it's going to be, interestingly. Let's leave it at that. It's good clickbait. uh if you know what if we were still doing commercials in the middle of the show this would be a great time to do that but okay um as it works out your links in your header and your footer and the link in the body text are treated by google the same they're links on the page google doesn't care it's in the upper level navigation google doesn't care that it's an all-in going across the footer and google doesn't care that it's a uh, body text link. I mean, they care about them because they're links, but they're not different. But what is different is the way they treat the text within the link. The text of a link, the anchor text of a link is uh, something Google uses to give it an indication of what the topic of the page the link is directed to is going to be. Mm-hmm. But when you have an all-in, like you will in footer links or in header links, that text um, sometimes gets used weirdly, overused, mm-hmm. or improperly. Um, the company's story, for instance, is often found on the contact page. Um, so you're not getting 
and that's an all-in link. You're going to find the footer. You're going to find the header. And, you know, and again, thinking about how Google Google is capable of segmenting different sections of the website, it's understanding that as well and applying that to text you find on the page. Right. Text in your bo- text in a link in the body text of a of a, a page is infinitely more important than text uses the anchor text in the footer or even the top-level navigation header. But the link itself, a link is a link is a link. That was a good explanation. Yeah, I, I was, I'll be honest, I was surprised mm-hmm. um, by that. And, and I think one, like, Me? just to, to sort of simplify, is, like, why I was surprised is he's clearly viewing, and, and rightfully, like, John knows more than I do about how Google works. I don't pretend, like, I won't pretend any different. Um, and I, his view, or, or the way he's describing it, and the way I'm thinking about it is the body is primary content, right? And then you've got secondary and tertiary content. I always kind of viewed the header navigation as part of the primary content. It's a core function of a site and a page. Um, so I always sort of just mentally thought of it as primary content. But what I'm hearing now is, no, the top navigation is secondary like um, the, the footer would be. Um, and I, I just find that, when it comes to the anchor text, yeah. Now I always thought that Google depreci- not depreciated, but didn't value a link that you'd find, say, in the footer as much as it would value one you'd find on the page, mm-hmm. like in, in in the body text. Um, but you know what? It absolutely makes sense that it just it's a link is a link is a link. But how you phrase that link and the importance important. of the phraseology in this context versus that context. That makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. So what we're saying, folks, is you really should just try and hide your top links from Google because they're my kind of probably going to be like really hard to craft those keywords in. But in your footer, you can do it. So so just, you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, because you know, in your top, you might have to talk about a product name rather than the actual keywords you're trying to target on that page. So if you just hide those ones behind JavaScript and rely on your footer to go natural acne treatment right like there you go right like you're you're doing you're gonna do that i'm kidding please i'm talking about um but i, I think they are kind of asking for that sort of thing like because that was one of the first things i thought of when i was <laughs> hearing that it's just like oh okay so where i can control the anchor that's those are the links i should i should press on more and i should actually try and like devalue or, or, or somehow eliminate Although, the links that I'm having to use the wrong anchor text. Oh, you got, got to keep it before thinking strategies like that. You also got to keep in mind that Google looks at your uh, top level navigation <laughs> as a <laughs> sort of structure of the website. Mm-hmm. So if you're hiding that from Google, you're basically hiding the architectural blueprints. Um, and you don't want to do that. Google needs to find its way around your website easily. Um, yeah, I can and see where you're Black going Hat with that. <laughs> I can see where you're going with that. Okay, uh, a couple more stories. Um, you put up on uh, on Twitter uh, for the show went on that Google Domains is open. Google is now yeah. Google is now selling on the open market. Well, it, it's kind of funny because I've been using Google Domains for a while. It's just been I kind of forgot it was in beta until I got that email. And I'm like, oh, I guess it's not in beta anymore. They're like, we're coming out of beta and here's a coupon code, which you'll notice I didn't include that part in the screenshot of the email. Um, 
but uh, that's not to be mean. It's a one use. So I, I'm sorry, folks, I'm going to take the, the percentage off my domain. But um, but yeah, I guess they, they've come out. So they, they must be happy with the with the way things are going. I should know there, there's no big advantage um, to having your domain at Google. In fact, they're a little bit more expensive. Um, it does just tie a little bit easier into things like value, you know, if you're if you want search con, like if you want to like turn on search console, it just is, you've already validated it. It's under the same account, right? Like they know you own the domain. There is nothing else to it. It's just like, okay, you've got it. Um, so, so there are some things I was testing it when it first came out. Uh, there is, yeah, again, no SEO advantage to hosting there, um, but there are just some, some little functional advantages. So I, I took them for some of our, our core domains and um, the rest of them kind of sit at GoDaddy or name, depending on which which domain it is anyway. Uh, but so use the registrar you want, but it's now out of beta, which I'd forgotten it was in. I'd forgotten that. I mean, I know Google's been a domain registrar for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have public services. Um, that was yeah. Google's way of keeping track of every domain that exists mm-hmm. in the entire world. Um, I'd forgotten when they started when they started beta ing this as a as a service. Um, again, when someone like Alphabet or Google shows up, opening a retail store on your block, it's kind of like having a um, little teeny coffee shop and having Starbucks show up on both corners. Yeah, because um, you're about to get squeezed real hard. <laughs> um, and that's that's a little bit. Uh, I mean, I guess that's that's the evolution of the web. That's just how it goes. But like you were saying about small businesses in the travel sector uh, earlier, in the in the booking sector earlier, it's um, you know, welcome to the neighborhood, Google. Yeah, <laughs> yay. No, as a plus, they're more expensive for the most part. Like in Canadian, I don't know what they charge in U.S., but in Canadian, it's seventeen bucks um, for domain registration. Yeah, oh. I can get them for like ten or eleven. Yeah. Um, so because yeah, that's not bad. Um, and as you say, there's advantages to uh, saves you a half hour getting validated. Yeah, but if you're a domainer, you're probably not using them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I guess we probably have time for one more. Uh, Go for Barry it. Schwartz um, yeah. had discussed John Mueller because we're talking about him too today. So we got Barry and John here. Um, do they use user engagement as a search <laughs> ranking factor, Jim? <laughs> About as much as Barry should have used that of that photograph. Yeah, okay, bad, bad photo, which he didn't, didn't include there. I mean, it was funny, and I'd actually tweeted it out, and John had to give it a like, I guess, because he liked it. I'm like, I wonder, if John had one Google share every time he was asked that question, would he own all of Google yet? <laughs> Quite a bit of it, no doubt. Yeah, it's just like so crazy um, that this is still there. I understand there's a very subtle aspect of things because I would argue, like realistically, I would say it depends. But it really depends how you're asking the question. Sort of like our long-term traffic versus short-term. Like it depends what you mean by the question. Yeah. Because Google doesn't judge user engagement with your site as a ranking factor. 100% I believe them. Do they judge it as a ranking factor or as a signal for whether their search results are successful? Yes, just like you use your analytics and click data, right? Like, like we all do. So yeah, if you satisfy the users, then people like you will be rewarded in their updates. <laughs> but it's not a reward to you. It'll just be like, Okay, you're one of the like types of things that they're clearly going to be favoring because you provide good user engagement. And so they're going to be changing their search result or search algorithms 
to to favor those types of sites. So the way I've um, always explained it to my to to my clients is if the users like you, if the users clearly like you, Google probably clearly likes you as well, but you could never draw a direct connection between A and one. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. So worst case scenario though, you're satisfying your users and improve, improving your conversions for nothing. <laughs> just I, I guess profit. you were trying to for, yeah, exactly. Like you still win. It's like, I don't know, it's like I view, you know, sort of climate action. Let's pretend climate change turned out to be a myth. So we cleaned up our planet for nothing, right? And like built new energy and, sources. And made a better <laughs> world for nothing. Yeah. But yeah. we all get we all get great benefit from it yeah. because Google loves us. Yep. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Okay, um, we've gone full circle, top of the clock. Uh, so we gotta we gotta uh, split until next week. Ted Harrington is coming on next week, a security expert. So if you're wondering about your website uh, or just the web in general, or you want to stay up at night, tune in next tune in next week. Uh, Ted's got stories that will that that will keep you up at night if you're a sysadmin. Uh, on behalf of Dave Davies from uh, Weights and Biases, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. On uh, St. Patrick's Day, uh, March 17th, 2022, friends, we're relaxing our, our, our things around COVID, but it's still out there. Use common sense, stay masked up, get vaccinated, stay careful, stick around. We'll talk to you next week. expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.